Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 1st, 2017. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are in Bill's story on page 11, second paragraph beginning with the war which had been fought through three paragraphs ending, and this was none at all. That first paragraph is just read for context, and the last two are where we will focus our attention this morning. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Lauren N., the 12 Traditions, Carrie M. And the readers of the text this morning are Carmela G, Tina S, and Sarah W standing by. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, February 28th are for the 7 a.m. meeting, 9666. 9666. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, it's 9668. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no fruit fees or dues for members through contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lauren N. to read OA's 12 steps for us. Good morning, fellow travelers on Vision for You. This is Lauren N. from New York. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God 
ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, when we were entirely, we, sorry, were entirely ready to get, have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and, may, and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I'll pass. Thanks so much, Lauren N. And I have asked Carrie M. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Hi, my name is Carrie M. I'm a compulsive overeater from Boston. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are our trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communications. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. I pass. Thank you so much, Carrie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderator is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. 
we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today's Zoom our study of the big book and we are on page 11. We will be reading the second paragraph beginning the war which had been fought. We're reading that one for context. Then we will focus on the next two paragraphs which end with and this was none at all. And I have asked uh, Carmela G to to start us off. Good morning, Carmela. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much. This is Carmela G from New York. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and the chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether, on balance, the religions of mankind had done any good. Judging from what I had seen in Europe and since, the power of God in human affairs was negligible. The brotherhood of man, a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. But my friend sat before me, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. Had this power originated in him? Obviously, it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and this was none at all. Um, it's interesting, this brought me back to a memory of when I was in disease and I was climbing, climbing, climbing the scales and feeding, feeding, feeding my addiction and being held to the slavery of food. Um, I would go for massages and my therapist, I had had my massage therapist, the same one for over 40 years. And she used to say to me, Carmela, your back is getting worse and worse, and you're getting bigger and bigger. You need to lose weight. And every time I would go, I would say, I know, but I can't. And she would say to me, you're right. You can't, but God can. And I would get off that massage table and say, what a crackpot. What is she telling me God can so I would go about my business and continue my eating. And um, it was only through being, being threatened with death through illness um, that I was brought into 
the knowledge that maybe I better stop trying to control this. And someone mentioned Overeaters Anonymous to me, and someone passed me the information on a vision for you. And after six decades of realizing that I could not and God can, I was finally given the gift of recovery. And one day at a time, I feel that I have a life now that I never had before. And this is a gift that I could never have attained without that power helping me and doing it for me. And this is a gift I'm grateful for daily. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you so much, Carmela G. Who else would like to share for approximately Tina, Melissa, I hope I read my handwriting, and Reva P. Okay. And Monica T. And Monica T. So let just make sure I, this is correct, Harlan and Larry, and um, and just a minute, and re and um. Was it Rachel W? Were you yes. in there, Rachel? Okay. And Tina and Melissa and Reva, Monica T and Vasa O. Well, let's go with that's a nice little bunch of ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Anita. Thank you to Team Wednesday for making this meeting possible. This is a very, very quintessential part of Bill's story here. He is wrestling with this idea of a God-based solution. He has presented this solution in a message that has depth and weight and perfection. The message is being delivered to him in November of 1934 by someone who he knows to be a bottom-of-the-barrel alcoholic, Ebby Thatcher. Ebby is sober. Bill hears that it is a religious or God-based solution, but wrestles with this conception. He thinks about all the things that are wrong with the world and the wars and the burnings and the chicaneries and all these other various things. He remembers back in Winchester Cathedral how he saw the Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold, small beer. In other words, it was a soldier who did not get killed in war. It was a soldier who drank himself to death. And this had great effect on Bill. Bill's father was an alcoholic. It broke up the marriage to his mother. Bill, he knows he is an alcoholic. He's been told this by Dr. Silkworth. And here is Ebby Thatcher, and Ebby is sober. And this has a great effect on Bill. And Bill is done wrestling with all these wars and chicaneries and religious dispute and all this thing. And he is looking at his friend. And it takes all argument away from him. It takes all dispute away from him. Because here is a drunk. And the drunk is sober. And the drunk is not locked up by society. The drunk is not only sober... But the drunk, Ebby Thatcher, is happy in his sobriety. He's not fighting 
the liquor. It says his human will has failed. Bill relates to this. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Doctors had pronounced Bill incurable, too. Remember what we read before about Soapworth telling Lois at the town's hospital that Bill is either going to die of a wet brain or go to the insane asylum. Society was about to lock Evie up. Society was about to lock Bill up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of light better than the best he had ever known. And he sees that this power had not originated in Ebby. And this is your flashpoint. This is your emanation point of step two. And tomorrow, he's going to stop looking for the burning bush. He's going to stop looking for the splitting of the Red Sea. And he's going to see that Ebby being sober is the miracle, the miracle that he's been looking for his entire adult life. And so he is not arguing with the God, this God thing anymore. He is now accepting it. And this is history turning. This is the constellations of, the constellations of recovery coming into focus. This is the miracle of miracles when the 12-step program really starts to take germination. We don't know that Bill is the first person to get the information on the illness from Silkworth and the recovery from the Oxford Group movement, but we do know with certainty Bill Wilson will be the first human being in the history of Earth to take both sides of this information and move it forward so that we could be on the line this morning. Thank you, Bill Wilson. Thank you, God. And thank you to Vision for You. You are the, the, you are the renaissance of 08. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Harlan. Uh, good morning, Larry Kay. You're next. Good morning, Anita. Thanks for your service. I was just thinking the song, Miracle of Miracles. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, I'm really going to botch that one up. Um, you know, it, it's, it reminds me, William James, you know, we know that, that famed Harvard psychologist from the early 20th, 20th century, he chronicled the experiences of people who were transformed by this, this spiritual transformation, whether it was sudden or gradual, uh, sudden like Bill or more gradual like someone like myself. See, the outcome was still the same. And one of the things that, that he learned was that one of the common denominators, the common denominator for all people who have a, a spiritual awakening, the one thing they all seem to experience prior to this, this inward divine restructuring is calamity. Bill knew calamity leading up to this. I knew calamity. They all experience a sense of powerlessness and hopelessness before anything like this can occur. And that's what happened to Bill. He's becoming awakened. It happened to me too some 70 years after, after Bill uh, you know, was in his bed in, in Towns Hospital. Bill's illuminating experience was sudden. My, mine was gradual. I mean, what, what's the difference? You know, that Bill often described what was different with his experience with, with Abby, when he met Abby, uh, uh, he said that it was as though he was trapped in a cave for years. And trapped in a cave, everyone that cared about him, Lois and many others that just didn't understand what he was dealing with, they stood outside the cave and they were pleading for him to come out. But he couldn't see, he was trapped in the cave. I, I know what it's like to feel trapped in a cave. And then Abby came by the entrance of the cave and he did something a little bit different 
which was done for me too. See, he entered the cave. You see, he knew the way out of the cave. He took Bill by the hand and led him out. You know, one cave dweller, one compulsive overeater, one alcoholic, one addict helping another. And Bill came to know that what he wanted to do was enter the cave to help lead others, other cave dwellers out of the darkness. And I, I try not to talk God to a drunk. You know, I'd, I'd rather, like Bill says, I'd rather talk drunk to a drunk. One alcoholic to another alcoholic. The pain, the deceit, the anguish, the heartbreak. Once you make that connection, then, then we can talk about God. We can talk about a spiritual program. You know, the, the formula here was just get honest, share it with someone else, make up for the harms I've done, and help other people. And I ask God to help, you know, do those four other things. It's very simple. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. And Rachel W., good morning. Just press star one, Rachel. Rachel. Anita, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. Yes. Awesome. I'm okay, here. good. <laughs> All right. My phone was temporarily possessed. All right. So oh, yes, yes. Uh, thank you. Good to hear you on the line, and thank you for your service. Um, you know, uh, he and he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he'd ever known. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, when I think of how this program has transformed my life, you know, I, I, I didn't know that my problem didn't have to do with food. You know, I didn't know that it was just a part of me that was self-destructing that, um, really had nothing to do with food. I didn't know that I couldn't, didn't need to solve my problems through food. Um, you know, just the, you know, I'm just thinking of the idea of struggling with that higher power concept and, and, you know, you have the idea that he's, he's just thinking of the injustices of the world. And then he, he's sitting there with Ebby and, you know, we talked about, you know, how this is a, a step to experience, but really, you know, what's, what's happening, what I, what I'm seeing, I don't know about all of you guys, but what I'm seeing is there's basically two people in the human race. It's either the people who are doing the steps or the people who need to do the steps. So, you know, the calamities I see now, you know, it's in my estimation, in my experience, in my, you know, existence, you know, I don't, I don't think that the spirit of the universe wants us to be robots. I think that the free will is there and the calamities are happening because they're not doing the steps. You know, it's all about self. And for me coming into this program, I had to really find a way to, to surrender. And it didn't come from my belief in God because I have a religion that, you know, encourages questions. I'm fine with that. That's not, that's not the problem. The problem was me. The problem was, that I was my own God. I, I was, I was the dictate. I was, I was dictating what I thought should be. And I knew better than that. So what, for me, what my, my step to experience was coming to understand that God speaks through me, you know, to me through other people, that the very first step I had to make towards God in this program was through my fellows, through other people and through their encouragement and through the meetings like this, this meeting is a higher power to me. Literature is higher power to me. I have a universe of, of higher powers. And for me, it's a daily enlarging of that spiritual base. I'm working all these steps every day. There's always something unmanageable 
in my day, even on a small level, there could be some unmanageability. I'm always pulling it into step two. I, I, you know, of course, the analogy is going to be with food, but I picture my step two kind of like the pizza dough, you know, like rolling out and constantly expanding, expanding, expanding. And I, and I find something unmanageable. Oh, I'll end with this. I find oh, that's not me. <laughs> oh, no, that was me. <laughs> I'll just oh. end with this. I find something unmanageable in my day. I, I flesh it out, I roll it out, I ask myself, my higher power has those attributes to handle what I'm going through. And if, if it doesn't, I question, why am I limiting my higher power? And so um, I'm so grateful for this, for this life now that's, um, that's the best, that better, way better than it was before. And I'm so grateful. So thanks for allowing me to share. Thanks so much, Rachel W. And Tina S., it's your turn. Thanks, Anita. Uh... Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in uh, Anorexic in Florida. Uh, wow, you know, uh, I'm so grateful that we studied this book over and over, the first 164 pages, because, you know, I always find something new. And, you know, and I remember early on, my sponsor would tell me to read the black and not in between. And I always read in between, but today I'm trying to really focus on the black. And what I see today, and, and I'm so grateful to be on the line, is that, you know, he talks about my friend, but my friend sat before me and he made the point blank decoration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. You know, so, so what I'm seeing right here is totally steps one and two. You know, I am screwed, I'm powerless, and, uh, and I come to believe, he's coming to believe that a power greater than himself can restore him to sanity. You know, and, and society's about to lock him up. You know, I had been locked up for sure. You know, and then I found out that that probably wasn't the place to be. But, you know, was I really, you know, I wanted to be insane. I mean, when I found out when I, when I was in the psych ward that, you know, maybe I wasn't, you know, it's insane. And so that I had to look at something different. And, and then, you know, it talks about at the end of that paragraph, it says, you know, that he was suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. And, you know, and the only way I get any of that is by working the 12 steps. You know, I don't get to the, a life better than the best I'd ever known if I'm staying in one and two. There's just no way. You know, there is a solution, but the deal is that i got to do this. You know, i got to take some action to get the result from the solution. And there's two through 12. And that's some work to be done. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Tina S. And Melissa C., good morning. Hi. Good morning, Anita Shay. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and, um, you know, so like yesterday when, you know, when we did our reading and discussion, I could totally identify with Bill, you know, this struggle to get this concept of a higher power, and the miraculous thing is that, you know, this morning, I also can completely identify with Evie, you know, being able to declare that, um, God took him, you know, from the scrap heap and, and gave him, a, you know, a life better than the best he'd ever known. And um, thank God I can identify with that. That is my experience as well. And, you know, it, um, it sounds sometimes like um, melodramatic, some of the language, you know, like to be in a scrap heap, like garbage, um, and now living this incredible life. And, you know, for those of us here, you know, certainly me, there's nothing melodramatic about that. That is the God honest truth that um, my life was like in the toilet. You know, everything was falling apart. It was in the scrap heap. I was being 
told that um, I was going to die from the effects of morbid obesity. I could see that um, I almost didn't even care if I died because everything was getting ugly around me. And today, um, I am healthy. I'm vibrant. I'm alive. I'm optimistic. I went from this person who was so riddled with grief and resentment um, and weight to a person who, you know, in the in a normal body size um, and happy, joyous and free. And, you know, um, last week, I really got to experience that miracle. I spent um, some time with my mom. She's 81. And I could really see God's love for me, that this... Um, this program of recovery has transformed everything. It's really given me, you know, the, yes, the outer effects, the, the physical change, but the internal transformation um, that I could spend this time with my mom and really enjoy her in a way that I never could have before. And, you know, and so when I look at myself, I'm still that same, you know, person um, that was in the scrap heap. But um, God can be the only thing that could explain how um, I'm living so happy today. And, you know, and so I could enjoy my mom and be free from any resentment I ever felt before. And the beautiful thing is, you know, when I put that energy out there, that positive energy, miraculously, it seems like my mother has no memory of my tumultuous teens, you know, and and I think it's, I, I really know that it's this program of recovery has changed everything. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Melissa C. And good morning, Reba P., you're up. Good morning, Anita. It's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, these paragraphs uh, make me think about how do I transition from step one to step two. So for me, um, I knew with the food that I had tried and tried, and I just couldn't with all my knowledge and uh, will and perseverance, I couldn't lick this thing. So I had to be completely defeated, completely deflated. Um, and then hearing about this God stuff totally turned me off. I had a lot of religious education. I knew all the rules about my religion, but I really had um, no desire to do the God thing. Um, and that word just totally, um, really closed my mind. But what I'm realizing is um, because I was so defeated, because I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Um, I Because of that deflation, all I needed to do was acknowledge that I didn't have the power to lick this thing and that I needed a power. And the words higher power um, were much more comfortable for me than God. And it's definitely a transition of coming to believe. But all I have to do in step two is acknowledge that I need help. I need something that's bigger than me. Um, and what I love here is I don't have to know what God is. I don't have to know like a definition of it. All I have to know is that when I look at somebody who is just like me, who has had the same history just like me, and they're standing in front of me, and they're not doing what I did, and they're not living how I lived, and they're not thinking the crazy thoughts I thought, 
they're not behaving with their work colleagues and family the way I behaved, and they are totally transformed. That's all I need to know, that there's some power, something that did it for them. And that is so um, motivating. Um, and you know, it was like this with the food, but I have to admit, I am challenged every day by things, and I have to admit, and thank God the threshold of pain does not have to be as huge as it was when I started. All I have to do is pause and admit, I'm trying the same freaking thing on the computer like a hundred times, it's not working. Stop, ask for help. And then I usually go and ask somebody else who has more knowledge than me. But it's that whole concept of stop, get a power that's bigger than me, um, and then problems are not problems because things just go smoothly. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva P. And Monica T., good morning to you. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in Bill's story, and he's grappling with this religion business and, uh, you know, the the wars have been fought, you know, in the name of religion and all the hypocrites out there and just, oh my goodness here, we're not too happy. But, but, there's going to be a change after a but. My friend sat before me and he made the point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. Point blank. I looked that up. Straight forward, blunt, without hesitation. There was no hesitation in Ebby here. Point blank, without hesitation, God had done this for him. Not Ebby, not anybody else, but God. What he couldn't do for himself. You know, this gave me a lot of hope reading this. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. You know, Bill's finally, he, he's done step one, and I had to do step one. You know, decades of doing it Monica's way did not work. Was I willing to look at something a little differently? And Abby also says to him, you know, my life is so different. It, it's a level I've never known before. It, it's, you know, it's that something that I looked for all my life. And I agree with that 100%. Had this power originated in him? Obviously, it had not. There was no more power in him than there was in me that minute. And that was none at all. You know, when I came into OA 11 years ago, that was me. I was defeated. I was hopeless. I was in despair. I was scared to death. But you know what? People in the room said, we have a solution Ebby had a solution. And this book and the steps will guide you out, will guide you to find this power. If you want to do the work, Monica. And I was willing. And I did the steps. And today my life is crazy. It's wonderful. Thank you, God. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much to you, Monica T. And Vasa O, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Anita, for your service. And I am Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Florida. And, yeah, I love, you know, identifying uh, and relating to Bill's story. 
I met I met my first Abby one week before I came to over to my first meeting in Overeaters Anonymous, and I was ready and I was willing to surrender and to admit complete complete defeat with the food. Step one, I was so powerless, hopeless, afraid, couldn't control the food. I was trapped like in a cage. I had never heard the word that God would do to me that I couldn't do for myself if I let him. I had never, never, I, you know, I thought I needed to control it by myself, you know. I welcomed the idea, that idea. It gave me hope when there, there was no hope. She, which is my Abby, would say to me, I promise you, Vasa, it works. You just have to follow the direction, the way it's laid out in this big book. Stay abstinent, work the 12 steps. And I love the physical part. That was, not, that was the physical that came first. I, you know, I remember saying, when I lose the weight, I'm just going to leave. Thank God I never, never left the program. 30 years later, I'm still here. The physical came first. It was just amazing. You know, just following the food plan and, uh, you know, doing what I was supposed to do, stay in the big book, pray, meditate. There were many times I wanted to get back to the food. The temptation kept coming back. But she said, just pray to God. Go to your meetings. You know, work the steps the way they laid out. Then the, uh, it was just um, it was unbelievable. And the, the weight was just melting of my body. I was so high on that spiritual high, you know, at the beginning. And I can still, I still have it today, you know. I never thought that I had the power that I have today with inside of myself. And that came from my higher power. So life is different. It was, it's so much different. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the life I worked that, that I lived before, I have the peace, I have joy, I have serenity, and I'm a easier person to live in at home. And uh, you know, I'm there for my children in a way that I never thought I could be there for myself too. They, just following, just following the directions with the you know with this big book and staying abstinent. I don't want the food ever back in my life. I don't want it, and I don't need it. I'm going to die abstinent. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you very much, Vasa O. All right, we can open it up again. Who would like to share for approximately three minutes? Linda R. David. Just a minute. Linda R. and Julie and uh, was it E. Barbara E. Barbara E and David E and Lynn S. All right, let's go with Linda, Julie, Barbara, David, and Lynn S. And then we'll see if we have more time. Linda, good morning. Hi. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, good morning. Is this Linda R? Yes. Yes, Okay. Hi. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Linda R. uh, Recovered in South Florida. So grateful to the fellowship and so honored to be a part of this discussion. 
anyway, you know, God did for me what I could not do for myself. What's coming into my um, awareness today is other three Bs, beaten, battered, and berated. When I came into the program, there was no accident when I met my first sponsor. I had no idea it was going to happen to me. I was at the bottom, really the bottom in the gutter. I was a true gutter food addict who really, when I started reading the big book, there was no difference between the alcoholic in the gutter and my food addiction. So when I met this person and I started working the steps back in the 70s, it was really just the first three steps. And I did whatever my sponsor told me to do. I was very, very, you know, compliant, and I worked the program. However, you know, the, the word perseverance, you know, God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. I was just reflecting on my career, you know, working, how I, you know, I had a learning disability as a kid, and, like, I couldn't get things really quickly and I just kept, like, working and working, you know, and before I came into program. Then when I came in, it was like the constant, you know, action that I had to take and the following of the direction. And now when I look back, you know, on the um, spiritual awakening and the enlargement of my personal relationship with the higher power, that really took a long time, you know. I had a very educational variety type of spiritual awakening. So... God did for me what I can't do for myself. He still does for me what I can't do for myself. And I really related to that statement because when I let go and let God just run my life, you know, and there are many times I slip back, you know, into my self-will and my mental obsession comes back. However, because I have the maintenance steps and the fellowship and all the things that I've learned to rely on, I'm able to really cut through anything. It's just for me, it's like a prescription of life. And um, I just want to share how grateful I am to the fellowship today. I'm really living with such peace and such happiness in my life and such gratitude. Thank you. Thank you, Linda R. And Julie, Julie R., is it Julie? Julie M. M. All right, Julie M. Good morning. Hi, this is Julie M., recovering compulsive eater in Netherlands, Colorado. <clears throat> Thank you so much for your service. Um, this reminds me of one of the early OA meetings I went to, and it seems that the person who shared their story was always sitting in this one seat, and I would sit as far away from that seat as I could because at that time, I would just cry the whole time I was in a meeting. I just was hysterical, and I would try to keep the sobs in. So the speaker starts, and she's sitting right next to me. And I remember being absolutely mortified because then everybody, of course, would be looking at me. And the minute she finished speaking, she turned to me and said, do you need a sponsor? And I remember thinking, but you're so incredible. Why would you sponsor me? And not understanding the gifts that working with me gave her. And as we worked through the steps on step two, I just remember crying and telling her the story of something that had happened to me as a kid and and saying there can't be a God because there's a God that would never have happened to me. And now thinking there is a God, thinking, oh my gosh, I must be even worth less than I thought before. And she said to me in that moment, Julie, you've always had a higher power. You just were never taught how to connect to that power. It's always been there. You need to learn how to bring it in. You need to learn how to connect. And in that moment, it's as if there was a hand 
reaching out through the darkness. And I, I remember thinking, act as if. Like that's the only thing I, I could do was act as if what she said was true, grab onto that hand and just pretend like there was a God. And that's the way I did it for quite some time. And um, oh God, I just am so grateful to everybody on the line and I'm so grateful to her and um, grateful for the fact that I, I do believe that I've always had a higher power and I've just needed to connect. The seeking is critical and um, it's taken me a long time to believe, but I, I really do. And um, that's all I've got for today. Thank you. Julie M., thank you so much. Um, Barbara E., it's your turn. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Anita, and to everyone uh, that has spoken before. I always get so much out of it. I, I feel, for me, that this is an example. Ebby's Coming to Bill is both a cautionary tale and an example of higher power at work. The higher power was that Ebby came to Bill and was the genesis for this wonderful movement that was going to commence. The cautionary tale is that for all the glowing, um, wonderful God feeling that Ebby has right at this point, we know historically that it doesn't last for him. He goes back out there. And that's important for me that I always keep my memory green and know that it's not enough to just pray for it. As someone said yesterday, um, the farmer in the field has to actually go out and do the work on a daily basis. And I also think of this, even though we're not in the doctor's opinion, as a kind of doctor analogy. Um, I have an appointment with the doctor on Friday. I have to go because I think that I have an ailment and I have to acknowledge that I'm sick because I kept postponing going to him. And then when I do go to him, I have to listen to his advice and take the medicine, not some of it, but all of it. And he'll probably want me to go back for a checkup and be willing to change and reflect on where perhaps I'm not doing all that I need to. And if I like this doctor, then I can feel free to pass his name on to another person and say, yes, it worked for me. So that's where I'm at with uh, this uh, Bill story and the doctor's opinion. And someone said earlier about the, the power of the group. And I like that idea, the power of the group, the power of the universe, that little bitty intuition within me that tells me I need to reflect and that someone said pause, perhaps ask advice, think about it, and then act in a judicial way. Because the minute I put my feet on the floor in the morning, it's possible for me to take a misstep and twist my ankle, metaphorically speaking. So I have to think about how I'm going to handle my family, my friends, my life, my husband went to do something on my cell phone yesterday and totally wiped it out. I could have gone ballistic. I said, Neil, it's okay. I'm sure you'll fix it. And if you don't, we'll go to the doctor, the phone doctor, and take care of it. 
And I went out and I did what I did without my phone handy. Um, And when I came back, between my husband and my son, Mm -hmm. they'd able to restore it. And that's what I hope for myself, to be restored. Pass. Thanks so much, Barbara E. David, you're up. May I be heard? Yes, you Yes, yes, you are here. Oh, I hear uh, you. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Anita. Uh, we'll just think of you as having the twinkle in your voice. That's how we'll distinguish you. <laughs> uh, this is David E., recovering compulsive overeater mm-hmm. in Alpharetta, Georgia. Um, the motif of uh, coming back to life you know, is very powerful in human history um, for those of us with some or a lot of religious education, um, we see it a lot. It's the, um, <clears throat> it is the frequent basis of the entire religion's story of power. And uh, I can't think of any motif that really speaks to the ultimate power of a higher power or of God, um, the ability to come back to life or to bring someone back to life from being, from having no life to having life. Um, It is the definition, I think, of a miracle. So I'm really glad to see that here on page 11. And, uh, you know, it it rings true for me. there, in, in so many ways, my willingness um, and my sense of self were dead. And through the big book and working the steps, working with my sponsor, uh, and a higher power brings me from being dead to being alive. So um, I, I just wanted to share how grateful I am to my power to this group, uh, so many of whom introduce themselves as recovered, um, that our higher power has brought and is bringing us from no life to life. Pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, David E. from Georgia. And Linus, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. It's funny, with this paragraph, these two, I have every line uh, underlined, but it didn't hit me as profoundly as it did when it was read this morning. And I have had two experiences, I call them spiritual experiences, in program that were totally overwhelming for me and really highlight these passages. And the first one was my very first OA meeting. And how I recall it and what really happened could perhaps be two different things. I, I really don't know anymore, but I, in my recollection, the person who was chairing the meeting had been binging in the parking lot and was kind of wiping off crumbs from her bosom. And a lot of the people in the meeting were quite heavy, as was I. I, I had an extra 140 pounds when I walked in the door. And uh, there was a lot of 
group therapy kind of a thing going on. And I remember sitting there saying, oh, dear God, what's happened to me? Like, it can't be, you know, like this, this can't be where I'm ending up. I remember leaving the meeting and being so desolate and thinking there's, there's no hope for me anywhere. But that night, you know, I was, I call it, I was zapped overnight, sort of the, um, when I woke up the next morning, the, the desire to binge and the food, the obsession with food had been lifted along with lying, cheating, swearing, littering, and stealing. They were all lifted from me. And I, I had this profound God sense that I had picked up at the meeting just by hearing somebody say, ask God for what you want as if you already had it. And that profound experience stayed with me throughout program, throughout program, but it, it um, working the steps gave me the ability through God to have my life changed and opened. And, and the second experience I had was when I was in relapse and being so utterly defeated. The one other thing I wanted to say was about, it, it mentions about being locked up here, and that's the only line I didn't underline, but I had to check in with the doctor every day because he was afraid I was going to hurt myself. I remember relating that to, a, and I did that for a year, and I remember relating that to another OA member and just saying, I guess that's not normal. It's, it struck me that's not what normal people do, but that's what my life was like. And the second time was uh, at the end of the eight-year relapse when I totally surrendered to God. And I truly thought I was going to be an Abby, meaning that I was able to bring the message to others but never could recover myself, could never stay recovered. So I'm just sitting here now reflecting on the what God has done for me and what I could not do for myself, bringing me to OA, giving me recovery in OA, and then again bringing me out of relapse. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. We have time for one more. Chair? Renee C. All right, Renee, you finish it up here. Thank you so much, Anita. Thank you, everyone on the line. My name is Renee C., Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Really have a lot of gratitude for this incredible study of the big book and my willingness to work the steps and to uh, to live the steps on an ongoing basis. I also wanted to to comment on that he had been raised from the dead. He's speaking of Ebby suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. And I've been in OA many, many years. Um, my second sponsor was my Ebby. Sad to say she's no longer in program, but, you know, the reality was she took me through my steps the first time, and we're talking, I don't even know how many years ago, um, and I have gone to step studies, but not until I reached Vision for You has this book come alive with such electricity and such clarity in my mind and my heart and, most important, in my spirit and soul. So grateful for that. Um, I work each day hand-in-hand hand with God, my higher power, to really live these steps in everything that I say and do. Do I do it perfectly? No, I do not. But I can reach for God's hand and get pulled out of that scrap heap 
to a level of life better than the best he'd ever known. God woke me up again this morning. What a blessing. I just had a very intense medical treatment that I'm going through for the next two days, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I'm really not feeling well, and it's hard to eat, which I never thought would happen to me. But, um, you know, God is doing for me what I could not do for myself. And with that, I will pass. Love you all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tina S. Uh, Thank you to everybody who has shared. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And I want you to know the share ID for this meeting that's just concluded. It's 9672. 9672. And now I will ask Tina S. to read A Vision for You, found on page 164. Thanks, Nita. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.